see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. Welcome to Under Review with Steve and Greg. Uh, we welcome Fitz to the show. Fitz is a boy of mine. Uh, I've been on uh, his show before with uh, with him and Woj. He's been on one of my older shows. Fitz, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate you uh, having me on today. Not a problem. Uh, so quickly, before we get into you know all our Ranger topics, um, Fitz, how did you become a Ranger fan? Yeah, so I feel like this is kind of like a lot of people. Uh, my dad was a Rangers fan um, and you know hockey kind of became my my main sport I want to say when I was in high school but I was obviously a big Ranger fan before that growing up um, you know it, my my parents my mom's not really a huge sports fan uh, my dad was actually a basketball player uh, he didn't play hockey um, it's actually kind of fitting because like the only sport I didn't play growing up was basketball um, and, like, they came from a huge basketball family. So, uh, yeah, my dad just kind of loved hockey, loved the game. He loved, like, the pace and all the speed and, you know, the hitting and the physicality and, obviously, the playoffs. Um, so, kind of when I got into playing, when I was, like, in kindergarten, first grade, uh, it kind of just took off from there. The Rangers became my favorite team. And, you know, I was obviously a little bit younger during the pre-lockout years. Um, but pretty much since those lockouts, man, I've been – Die hard ever since going to games, you know, following the team, trying to trying to just make sense of this whole New York Rangers thing. So, you know, it's it, it goes back a long time. I'm 24 years old now. So probably for 19, 18 years, I've been, you know, Rangers fan. Rangers have been my favorite team. So that's pretty much just the the broad picture of how it happened. Like no specific moment or game or player that really brought me in. But just, you know, my dad kind of led the way. Right. That's pretty cool. What's interesting is that, uh, is that you're, you're 24 and like for me, uh, being a Ranger fan, it's that 94 run is just like, like ingrained in me. And I remember I was a kid when it happened. Like I was a little, I was like basically like a young teenager and I, and I thought to myself like, Oh, this would be like awesome. If this happened all the time. And little did I know that that was like, not, that's not really how it works. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like you haven't even experienced that. So you're, you're kind of, uh, you've got a lot in common with some of the, some of those older folk who like, you know, saw like heartache for 54 years. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I was born, I'm born, I'm a 94, but I was born in December. So I missed out on the whole cup run, even, you know, even though I would have been like a toddler at the time. Um, so yeah, th- pretty much, you know, like I'm a Mets fan too. I'm a Jets fan. So I haven't really seen a lot of joy from my favorite sports teams since you know the beginning of my life the only the only real team that i've ever seen win that i like actively refer is the is the golden state warriors obviously but that's that's different because it's the nba and it's like people don't really follow uh teams or franchises as much as they used to they're more you know player guys and obviously like you know i'm a huge steph curry guy a big draymond green guy so you know i i hopped on that bandwagon one in like 2012 but it just doesn't hold the same weight as like the Rangers, the Mets or the Jets. So hopefully one of those guys will, will one of those teams will break through within the next, I don't know, 20 years. So I don't have to wait like 60 years, like my parents or like my uncles or anything like to see my teams win again. 
Let's yeah, hope that, so. That, let's that, really that. let's hope so. Yeah, for real. Because actually, uh, you are probably the exact opposite of that one kid in Boston that people have probably seen. Oh uh, yeah, Patrick McGillicuddy. Uh, no, no, no. I, I I don't know his name, but he shows up every time there's a parade with a sign, and he goes. 15 years old, 11 parades, 16 years old, 12 parades yeah. with, the, with the Patriots and the Red Sox and the Bruins winning a Stanley Cup. And, and, and I think the Celtics had, a, had a, an NBA championship in there as well. Yeah, it's, it sucks. I hate that kid every time I see him. Every <laughs> time I see him, I can't stand him. I mean, yeah. talk about privilege, man. I mean, no, I, I mean I, that, that kid is going, is going to be in for a rude awakening when, when he's a grown-up because life's, life's not that easy. I was going to say, I just can't wait for the, the end of this Boston era of, yeah. of dominance so that like a kid like him can realize the, can just go through some of those dark years rooting for a team. So uh, are, 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 we all, are we all on the, the, the Canes bandwagon then? We just want to see him knock out the Bruins, right? Ah, I, I, honestly, like, I don't even know at this point. I, I'm like, I'm pretty pissed that the Hurricanes are doing well this year because like I've, I've like bet on them to win the Easter, the Cup like every year the past like four years because every year I look at like I look at like their odds and then every year they're just like the Corsi God team and like this year or like last year or two years ago I thought like was the year they were going to take a step and they just screwed me over and I was just like all right I'm I'm done with this team like I've had enough of them and then this year of course is the year they're going to put it all together and make a run so I, I'm just rooting for someone out of the West, honestly, whether it's the Sharks, the Blues, or the Avalanche. I would, I would love to see one of those three teams win. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, always, I always said about the Carolina Hurricanes, the, the, the thing was is that they just never got consistent goaltending. And, they're, and even though they're doing it with, like, this new kind of – this new age of, like, you know, um, going with a split duo, it's kind of working. But, you know, that, that's all they needed is that that was their Achilles heel for so many years. They just had they, – they just had – awful goaltending for so long they did everything else well but like they can never never stop a puck yeah and then like i think that's a big part of it too and also like they they just have more finishers on their team than in years past like that's always been the problem with them is like they're obviously a terrific puck possession team and like they they throw shots on net like crazy but they've just never kind of had that like elite finishing you know not even elite just like a couple guys that could score like 20 to 25 goals and yeah. I think the Nino Niederreiter trade was like a huge, a huge step for them. Like to get a guy who's like a legitimate goal scorer to pair him with like the other young forwards they have, like Sveshnikov and Aho, and you know they got like Martin ne- Nekich, Nechas. I can never say his name coming through the pipeline. Nechas is, is correct. Yeah. There, there we go. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I liked, I, I don't like dislike the Hurricanes. Like I have a cousin who lives in Carolina, who's like there, they've lived there for like 20 years, pretty much the entire time the hurricanes have been there and they're like season ticket holders. So it's cool to see that. And like, I'm a huge Jacob Slavin fan and uh, Brett Pesci is like a local kid. He's from my area. So like, uh, I, I like seeing them succeed. So, so like they're a cool story. It'd be really cool if they make the cup just for yeah. like, all the crap with Don Cherry. I think it would be hysterical. It'd probably be, be good for like just the le- the buzz around the league. Um, it would be a nice fuck you to, to, to Don Cherry. I would be, yeah, exactly. Like it would just be like the perfect thing to like put this guy, just, just, just keep dunking on him. Cause like yeah. it's about time he hung him up. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I was a big fan of their celebrations in the regular season, man. I enjoyed it. And, and, you know, you need to allow these, these players to have fun. Yeah. If, if, I, if, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't if, agree more. If, like if, if they want to do a celebration after winning and their opponents have a problem with it, guess what? Stop them from winning. Yeah, 
Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. That's like, I, I, like I said kind of earlier, like I'm a big Steph Curry guy. And like, <laughs> I'll admit it, Steph Curry's like a cocky asshole when he plays. Like he's shimmying in people's faces and turning around before the ball goes in. But he has and earned like, the right to do that exactly, because of the like, way he plays. Yeah. Exactly. Like if you, if you don't, like, don't like it, don't let him score. And he oh, won't do yeah. it. Um, I, I actually tweeted something earlier today about Carolina Hurricanes. And this is something that I've always it's, – it's always been in the back of my head for years. Carolina, to me, is always that team that has that, that, that player with a last name but never the right one, you know? They have yeah. Cam Ward but not Joel Ward. They had Riley Nash but not Rick Nash. They had Brock McGinn <laughs> instead of Jamie McGinn. Trevor from Reamsdijk instead of James Van Reamsdijk. <laughs> Victor Rask instead of Tuka Rask. Um, Derek Ryan instead of Bobby Ryan, Zach Boychuk instead of Johnny Boychuk. They were always sort of like, you know, that those video games that were unlicensed. That's what it reminded me of. <laughs> that's a great. That, that's that's a, really I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That is just the stuff that, that, that pops in my head sometimes. I just had to share it today because I've been putting it off for too long. And now, now that they have some success, the whole bunch of jerks thing is amazing. It and, really is. Uh, that's actually something I, I realized last week about the Hurricanes, or two weeks ago. Their alternate jersey with the uh, with the flag, with the double flag, um, the the part between the two flags is actually the outline of the state of North Carolina. Yep. I I, I only found out about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and that's that's like something I'm I'm a big fan of with like the Adidas jerseys. They do like good little subtle stuff like that. Like yeah. I, I think Shane the. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Chena, who works for the Athletic and Blue Shirt Panther, uh, she pointed that out like way, way back, like when they first released the jersey, and it was like something I kind of glanced over, and yeah. then like I saw it again, and I was like, oh, that's actually like really cool. It's it's subtle, and that makes it so great because everyone always talks about the Hartford Whalers that it has the H and the W and the and the, and the whale fin. It's a probably still the best logo in sports history. But this Carolina logo, the new one, it's so subtle, and that that makes it that makes it great for me. I like it better. More. I like it better than the one with the little hurricane spinning. I don't like that logo. I like this one better. Yes. Yeah. Me too. The, the, all these like all these jerseys that like when they were released in like August or September, prior to the season, like I remember a lot of people were like, they all look kind of bland, and like I'm always of like the belief that jerseys just look better when they're like in the like being used in game. Like, so when they're on the ice, they just look great. Like, those black Hurricanes jerseys have grown on me, like, a ton. Like, yeah, I, they're, dope. they're dope. They're really Yeah. Like, I'm, uh, I think I'm, I think I'm, like, in the minority this, but, like, I love the Jets, like, baby blue jerseys this year. Like, I thought those were sick. Like, I, I, I'm just, like, a sucker for all these things. So, like, the more, the more, like, creative and, you know, non-traditional yeah. stuff we get with jerseys, I'm, I'm all here for it. Although, although when it comes to traditional jerseys, I do like the alternate jerseys of the Blues and the Flames. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. The, Those the, are great. The light blue St. Louis Blues jersey and the Calgary Flames with the the red the red jersey with the with the white C. That's to me. Those are uh, like among the top five best jerseys in in the in the NHL. Yeah, I, lo- I like those, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, the other Winnipeg Jets alternate, the white ones, the Heritage Classic ones they rocked a couple of yeah, years ago. Yeah, they yeah. wear every now and then. I think they're so clean. They look great on Here, the ice. Here's a little bit of a hot take on jerseys. The original Florida Panthers might be the best jersey. Which ones are those? The uh... it's the gold, It has a gold outline with a panther like, you know, um, like um, jumping out towards you. 
Oh, right, right, right. That one, oh, and, and, on the, and on I the patch, it had like a little like palm tree. It was dope. I remember when I first saw that, I was like, that's hot. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. I'm, I'm, they're doing good things with the jerseys. I, I like what they've done so far, Adidas. Like, I'm a, I like Adidas, like, brand stuff. Like, I, I usually buy Adidas, like, basketball sneakers. Um, so, yeah, I was actually really, I'm, I've been really hyped ever since I found out, like, they were taking over, you yeah. know, like, NHL merchandise stuff. Who do you think has the best logo in the NHL? Like, obviously, I mean, like, let's take, you know, fandom aside, not the Rangers. Like, I, I, logo, I like, that's dope. That's a dope logo. I personally like the Avalanche logo. That's a good one. A, the avalanche, and the, the puck that comes down the mountain. Yeah, I, like their, cool. I like their color scheme the best. Their the color, color scheme, scheme is cool. amazing. The, 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 yeah, yeah. That's probably yeah, very high up there in terms of, of favorite jerseys as well. I'm, go, I'm going with the Sharks. The Sharks have the dopest logo. Yeah, um, they got a good one too. Big I, I, I'm like a, I, it's hard for me to go against the Blackhawks because it, it's, so, it's so great. Like, uh, I'm, I just always love that logo, so. It's, it's it's a classic it, it, pick. Yeah, it's, it's more tradition and, and the fact that they've had the same logo for so many years, probably. Exactly. Well, also, exactly. the red the Red Wings one's pretty dope too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The, the, even the Canadians one that sometimes is, is kind of nice, like when they use it. You know, like their Winter Classic jerseys a couple of years ago were really nice when they had like the white with the blue oh, in the yes. middle with like the white yeah. logo. Yeah. I just wanted to say the white Winter Classic, or was it Winter Classic or Heritage Classic? Anyway, the outdoor game they they played it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were great. I love those. Who has the uh, worst? Who has the worst jersey right now? You think the Predators yellow ones? I'm not a fan of at all. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that one. I think they could have done a lot cooler. Um, off the top of my head, I feel like the Blue Jackets could do a little more. Uh, I I agree. I agree. I don't actually, like the jersey. The, the the Blue Jackets alternate jersey is is pretty nice with yeah. The, with Cream and the alternate logo. It's yeah, big fan of any anytime a team throws in the the cream color jerseys. Like uh, I, my, my favorite Ranger jersey is still the the Winter Classic one against the Flyers. That cream. Oh, color the, the cream colored one. Yeah, those yeah, those are always great to me. Anytime a team puts that in their color scheme, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, I think my least favorite jersey is when the Penguins had that gold instead of yellow in their jersey. It just yeah. looked off. Agreed. That like disgusting ass like. And and when, when a couple of years ago they went back to like the dark yellow, I, I was all of a sudden I hated the Penguins a little bit less. Yeah, I love their jerseys right now. The, yeah, like yeah. the kind of the retro black and yellow look. I'm a big fan of those. Yeah. I, I think the worst one right now is the Kings jersey. I don't like the Kings jersey. They're uh, very plain. Like it's tough to, tough to pull off like black, white, and silver. So like it's, it's like a tough color scheme to go with. I personally think they should just go back to the purple and gold. Like, you know. I'm not against that, or even the one like the one that the like the one from like the um the 80s and 90s, like the Gretzky era Kings jersey, where it just had like that um I don't know that 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 that, that kind of that shape and said Kings in it, it was like a little crown on top. Like I like that. Uh, yeah, for, yeah. I, I was really worried for a second you were gonna bring up the Burger King jersey they had, but no, that oh. one is <laughs> that is a horrendous jersey. Yeah, those are trash. Yeah, well, we we could talk jerseys all day long, but let's get into some other stuff. Um, let's talk. Let's talk NHL playoffs real quick before we get into some Ranger stuff. Because I know the Ranger stuff is really what we want to hammer in. Um, so quickly, Fitz, any? Um, are you surprised at how many big teams got knocked out really early? Like, are, are you surprised the Lightning got swept? That that Capitals were out that quick? Pittsburgh got bounced in, in four by the the Islanders. I mean, like all these like I mean upsets. I mean, even Dallas upsetting you know Nashville was was an upset. 
Yeah, I, I was I was shocked. The lightning stuff was shocking to me. And like that was that's like the big thing from the playoffs for me is just like the the, the collapse of the Tampa Bay Lightning and just like I, I don't know what it is that team. Like they had a three nothing lead in game one against the Blue Jackets. They blow that and then after that they just look like they were just in their own heads so much. Like that I I, I sometimes I, I agree with people that we go like too far into narratives and stuff, but like I, I absolutely like think there's something wrong with those guys psyche and like i remember i was watching like their exit interviews after that series and they just all looked like shell-shocked like they could not i i just like don't know how you recover from that honestly like it's crazy to me that you're like the best regular season team in like the history of the league and mm. you just get boat raced by a team that like it i don't, I don't want to say it's like far less talented because like the blue jackets have a lot of good like high-end talent on their team but like still like Nikita Kucherov like when he took that cross-checking penalty and got suspended like that that shit just can't happen when you're like when you're like an MVP candidate like you got to be better than that and like that the Flames getting bounced quick was kind of shocking to me too like I I liked the avalanche in the series I didn't think it was going to go five games um you know, the Stars, I, 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 there's something was up with the Predators all year. They just did not look like the team they had the last couple seasons. Um, and I, I actually, I bet on the Stars in the first round to beat the Predators. Um, so, like, that was something I, I didn't want to say shocked me, but I was a little stunned at how it went down. Uh, just, like, going down, the Penguins getting swept was kind of just crazy to me. Um, just I, actually like, picked the, I, I actually picked the Islands to win that series. I thought it was going seven. I thought it was legitimately going seven games. Either way, I thought the game seven was just going to be a coin flip. But, I, like, I, I just always, like, to me, I, th- I thought Crosby and, like, Malkin and, like, Kessel and Latang and those guys who have just been through the battle so many times, like, have the flip to switch um, to, like, borrow an NBA term, like the LeBron and, like, the Warriors. Like, they flip the switch once the playoffs come. Um, and I thought that's what the Penguins was, were going to do, to be honest. Like, I, I – I bet on them to win the East just because they had like great value. They were like ten to one. Oh the wow! That's started. actually they were ten to one to win. Yeah, the East? I, like like a week before the playoffs started, they were ten to one to win the East. So I was just like, you know what? I, I feel like I, if there's any value there, like that's the team I'm going with. That's but. good money to lay on. I know, I know. In in hindsight, you know, we're all Monday morning, uh, Monday morning quarterbacking over here. But like uh, at the you know that that's a good value right there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it never hurts to throw a couple bucks down. But, yeah, the, these playoffs have been fun, man. I, I think the first round, after, like, the initial shock wore off, that, like, like three or four of, like, the most – the best teams and, like, the most marketable stars were, like, out, I think it kind of settled in. And, like, I thought this, the second round has been phenomenal. Like, it's been great. And I can't wait for Game 7 tonight with the Sharks and Avalanche. That Game 7 last night was crazy. Like, it's just, there's just, like, a lot of good hockey being played. And I'm actually, like, very happy that, like, the more, I, I don't know, I don't want to say, like, lesser no, hockey audience, but, like, kind of the people who only watch their teams and, like, Smaller their conference play, like, they, they get, they're getting the chance to get exposed to, like, a lot of, like, the fresh new young players that, like, I've loved for the last couple of years. Like a Nathan McKinnon or a Seth Jones or a J- Jacob Slavin or you know, Rupe hints on the stars. Like, it's just like cool to see that there's like a new wave of players coming through and that like the national hockey audience and even like some just casual hockey fans are going to get 
exposure with these guys now. Yeah, the the narrative has changed from the you know the um, the Ovechkin Crosby kind of narrative to who's going to hoist up the cup now. It's going to be a different a different person that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, so, that, there's a little great. bit of that that I think is kind of interesting. You know, I think it's great. It's like I, I'm all for fresh blood. Like I'm I'm all for it. Like I I love that about like college basketball this year. Like the Final Four was all teams that had not won a national championship before. So like I was I was fired up for that. Like I. I it's good sometimes, you know, I, I've, I've always kind of said that parity can sometimes be overrated, but in this case and with like just where the league is at and like who's won the past decade or so, I thought it was, I thought this year was great. And like, it was a great chance just to get so many new, so many new faces just like in big games, right. you know, like, like Seth Jones to me for the last like two years or so has been one of the 10 best defensemen in the league. I could um, not I could not agree more. I think Seth Jones is actually one of the most underrated defensemen yeah. in the NHL, period. Agreed. Like, and it's, he is it's like that we underrated. Get, we get to watch him a little more because we're Ranger fans, right? And the Blue Jackets are in their division. They play four times a year. So, like, I've seen Seth Jones a ton. But, like, I know a couple of my friends who are, like, more casual hockey fans are like, yo, like, who is this guy? Like, he's unbelievable. And I'm like, yeah, man, this, this guy's the truth. Like, he's legit. And, like, he's... He's like the next one to me, like the next defenseman. And I'll even you know? throw it on the other side. I don't get to see Dallas all that much. And watching Dallas, Dallas's playoff run, I got to really appreciate Miro Heiskin. And that kid is ridiculous. Yeah, he's legit. He could play. And like Klingberg's good. Lindell is good. Like they, it's just good. I, I, I'm all for it. Like I think this has turned out from like a potential disaster in terms of like the top teams getting knocked out to like a really, really solid playoffs, especially because like last year was kind of, you know, you had Washington, obviously, and Vegas was a fantastic story. But at the same time, it was like a lot of the series were over in like five or six games. You know, there weren't a lot of game sevens. There was like a astounding lack of overtimes last year. So like I think a lot of that has returned to form this year, and it's been a really good, good playoff for the league. Agreed. I'll say one thing about the, the playoffs before we uh, transition to some other stuff. Um is that the Tampa Bay? So th- this was my thing with Tampa Bay. I think a lot of people were kind of shocked that they, you know, that they lost, and even more shocked they kind of got swept. The thing is, though, is that if you if you watch Tampa Bay all year, they have n- even from the very beginning of the year they've never been challenged. It's I've watched plenty of games where they would look lackluster for a period. Maybe they'd be down a goal or two, and then oh, we're playing tonight. Yeah, let's score a couple goals and then just go home. Like they've never been pushed to the brink of challenge. So the first time they had any kind of adversity, it's just they cracked. So it it I I don't think it's so much the players as it's just you know the, the temperament and not having that be a theme throughout the season. I, I think I think being tested throughout the year you know, really is important when playoffs come around because you're going to need to, you know, kick that adversity in the teeth and kind of like come back hard. So it doesn't shock me that their exit interviews were, you know, kind of what the heck just happened because this has been, they've never had to do that. They've never had to overcome anything. Um, you know, I, I hate bringing it back to the Rangers when they made that run with with uh, with uh, Martin St. Louis, but there's a little bit of that. Like you you need to you need to win a, a game seven. You need to come back from, from down, you know down goals. You need to blow a lead and find a way to win a game. Like those little things do make a difference in a, in a short series. Because in a short series, it's a small sample size, and it's the best team. I hate saying it doesn't always win. So you need to find ways to make breaks. But you know what the, 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 the biggest problem with Tampa was though. And this, you saw this as well in the um, in the two uh, second round matchups in the East. 
um, they didn't have uh, a game that mattered for a while. You know, they coasted into the playoffs and all of a sudden they're up against a team, Columbus, who had to fight every game the last three, four weeks to even make the playoffs. Exactly. And that's a, that's momentum that carries over. And the same thing happened with Carolina against, uh, against the Islanders and Columbus against Boston. I posted something about it on Twitter. Uh, teams that come off uh, a game seven in round one are now 5-0 and in NHL history against teams that come off a sweep. Wow, that's a great that's a great little nugget there. Holy shit, yep. I'm not that is yep. awesome. Yeah, you know, Steve, Steve is like the king of like these weird nuggets, man. Like he always he always finds like the most obscure stats that like you're like, where would you find this from? And he's like, I don't know. I just yeah, I, that's I crazy. Think about it, then research it, and then I realize, oh, it's the first time. Like like the Islanders losing in a sweep after winning in a sweep, and I was like, oh, let's if they lose tonight. Let's see how long how long it has been since that happened. And I just go through all the playoff brackets all the way back. And in this case, all the way back to 1993 when it was Buffalo. And I, just, I, I think about weird things and then I just research it. And if it only goes back four or five years, I don't even bother tweeting about it. But if it goes back 15, 20, 30, 40 years, that's when I get really excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. The, those are great little nuggets to grab. Like a, that's, yeah. that's fascinating, honestly. And and that's the thing. I mean, Carolina came off a of game seven. Columbus came, uh, sorry, Boston came off a of game seven. That momentum carries over against a team that hasn't been playing for something for a week. They have just been sitting and watching games and thinking who we're going to play next. And and it, it's nice if you win a series in five games or six games because the biggest issue for the Rangers when they were competing in 2012 and 2014 is that they couldn't finish a series in 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 six, five, or even four games. Every series went to game seven, except for, I think, Montreal in, in 2014. But every other series I think we played, it all always went to game seven. But yeah, if you have one series that goes to game seven and you take on a team coming off a sweep, that momentum carries over, and that's huge. And Boston and Carolina, they, just, they, they were just dominating. Carolina in game seven, uh, they beat the Islanders 5-2. The Islanders were never in it. It, it was it was it was insane, and it I just did not expect that to happen. Well, I wasn't surprised because of the previous records in the NHL, but still, you you don't expect a team that swept the Penguins to get swept by Carolina. Yeah, it's just crazy shit. Like that was shocking. They just got their yeah. doors blown off in like games but three and three and four. It had been a great postseason because. Everyone always talks about how the NBA has these dynasty teams and the NHL has parity. Does the NHL really have parity, though? Because since 2009, I've seen the Penguins win three times. I've seen uh, the Blackhawks win three times. I've seen the Kings win twice. Where's the parity? Yeah, I actually, I, I, I said that last year, um, like when, when the whole parity thing came up again. And I was like, people always point to the NBA, obviously. I was like, well, that's weird because pretty much they've had the same amount of different teams win the championship like over the past decade. So it's yeah. like, yeah. so like par- parity's cool and all, but at the same time, like, like dynasties draw eyes. Like whether you like it or like the Penguins going back to back was crazy. Like that was insane. You know what you know is actually the most? You know what is actually the most parity is baseball. Yeah, just because I, it's I, so hate, long. I hate the saying it, so but. Long. Right, but I'm saying there's more parity in the in in Major League Baseball than even the NFL. 
Like, like the Boston Red Sox go from, you know, dead last to winning the World Series to they're, in, they're horrible. Yeah, it's, it's, I definitely agree with that, that like uh, baseball's pretty, got a decent amount of parity right now for sure. Where the NFL, it's like, yeah, let me just, what are the odds on the Patriots winning the, winning the Super Bowl next year? Oh, it's two to one. Cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like the season, the preseason hasn't even started. Like the draft isn't even here and it's still two to one. Yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just, yeah, the, the NFL is the, the worst, I think, of the four, to be honest. I think it's even worse than the NBA. Just and they try priding themselves on parity, and it's like, you're anything but parity, so stop. Yeah, I mean, the stupid teams just stay, stay stupid in certain sports. Like, yeah, Leafs and Browns, man. I love, I love stupid teams. Stupid teams stay stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like such an oversimplification, but at the same time, it's so true. I, I, I think specifically in the NBA, it's like, you have just teams that are just straight up dumpster fires all the time, like the Knicks, the Suns, the Bulls. Oh, I don't mean, even get me started on that. Don't even get me started on the Knicks. The Knicks, the Knicks are the reason why why I have like you know uh, an addiction to like whiskey. <laughs> the Knicks are the Knicks are like the reason why like I drink. They are, they're just seriously like if you're a Knicks fan, like I, I'm I'm sure you probably have a therapist. Do you yeah, want to hear uh, something funny, by the way? Um, the word Knicks in Dutch literally means nothing. <laughs> oh my goodness. Accurate. Very accurate. <laughs> You're welcome. That, that, that could not, that could not be more fitting. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's crazy that they, sh- it's just like nuts that the Rangers and the Knicks share an owner and a building. And like, I could not think of them as like two completely different organizations, like the way they run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spe- speaking of, I-, I made a tweet earlier today and I actually want to, I actually wanted a quick second on this real quick is that, um, I think sometimes cause, cause Fitz, you made, you made, you, you posted a couple of gifts of like, you know, <clears throat> different, like awesome Ranger moments, you know, like whether that's, you know, uh, McDonough scoring a goal or whether that's Stepan scoring a goal or there's just always, always awesome moments from the last like 10 plus years, you know? And I think sometimes that we get kind of lost in this like championship or bust mode. And for me personally, like I, I like to enjoy things and sure. I, I, I want my team to always win a championship, but I hate when people like, you know, look, look back at the Rangers and be like, Oh, it was an utter failure. No, no, no. The Knicks are an utter failure. Okay. The mm-hmm. Rangers are actually probably one of the more successful franchises in the New York Metro area outside the giants and the Yankees. Yeah. Honestly, they probably are at least the, for the past like fifteen Jets, years. The Mets, yeah, the, the, they're more successful than any of those teams. Oh, without a doubt, it's really it's really just the Yankees and the Giants, and then it's like a gap, and then it's the Rangers, and then like it's another gap. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, the way I, the way and looking at Dave Gettleman, I'm sorry, but the Rangers are the Rangers are more organized than the than the, uh, than the Giants are. Oh, right now, absolutely, no it's no question about but it. Dave Gettleman's taking them back to to 1920, and Jeff Gordon is looking at you know 2020 right now. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, um, but yeah, so let, let's let's talk on some Ranger stuff because now that I talk about your gifts and all that, I actually want to get into some things. So I, the other day, you you were talking about Adam Fox, and you you went on your you know you are the gift man of gift <laughs> like you always post the most awesome stuff. Like I know when games are going on, like it's I always look for that Fitz gift because it's always like that little snapshot of like something that like you know you saw, but you're like, oh man, I wish I had a gift of that because that was pretty dope. So I always wait for your, I always wait for those, like, um, those, I call it like a Fitz bomb, like, you know, those like, <laughs> gift bombs. So you went on a, a tangent 
where you just went through all of uh, Adam's, like, you know, um, all of his college games. And you did some dope stuff, man. Like, there were a lot of really good stuff. Like, not just, like, cool plays that he made, but, like, heads-up plays, you know? And I just want to get your, your like, take on, like, after watching all that film with him, what do you, what's your takeaway of Adam Fox? What do you think of him as a player? Or what, what did you, what was your analysis of him? Yeah, I, I was pretty impressed. Like, I, I'll be honest, like, I hadn't really seen him play outside of, like, highlight videos um, leading up to, like, the last couple of days. Um, and, you know, I went on YouTube and, and thankfully uh, there's a user who, who had, like, four, four or five or six Harvard games from the past, like, two seasons. So it was easy to kind of go through that and get, you know, watch him play more and kind of, you know, I, I like to just see guys how they react in certain situations and, you know, little plays they make, how they react under pressure, you know, if they're always looking to kind of move into open areas of ice, like heads up, good vision, you know, communicating with teammates. Um, but with Fox, you know, I think the, the biggest thing that stood out to me at least was uh, his ability to move the puck uh out of his own zone as like a the first man to make the breakout pass to like break down a four check um i think i kind of mentioned it when i was doing the thread um you know i watched maybe five or six games and i i could probably count on one hand the amount of times i saw him go high off the glass or you know just like clear the puck out of the zone he is legitimately always looking to make a clean tape to tape breakout pass and uh i think that that you know the nhl has gone a lot more towards that over the last few years, um, puck-moving defensemen. I mean, you hear it ad nauseum over the summer when teams are looking for, you know, roles to fill. Everyone wants a puck-moving defenseman. And uh, Fox, he's not the biggest guy. He's certainly not the strongest guy. He definitely has work to do in terms of, like, you know, net front battles and, you know, how he kind of uses his body and his stick to take away lanes and opportunities and to dislodge the puck from, you know, uh, opponents with it, but he definitely has the modern fold of what like a, a, a puck moving, you know, power play specialist kind of has. And I don't think he's like a number one defenseman. Um, I don't think he's honestly, even on like a really good team, he's probably in that like three, four range, like playing a second pairing role, you know, quarterbacking one of your two power plays, but you know, at this point, the Rangers just need talent anywhere. And, you know, that's what really the last two years has been about is just continuing to add talent, whether it be through trades, you know, free agent signings, undrafted free agents, uh, the draft, obviously. You know, it's just like restocking the pipeline so that, you know, when they're ready to go again, when it's when it's go time, when they're like, all right, let's let's push for the playoffs. Let's you know, we think we could get this done there's already a lot of depth in the organization in place. And I think that's been like the main takeaway of the last two years. And like the Fox trade to me is like the perfect example of that. Like, yeah, it sucks seeing them, you know, trade off some of their, you know, some guys we have a lot of good memories with, you know, fan favorites, captains, everything. Um, but this is what it's really all been about, you know, putting yourself in a position to pounce when an Adam Fox becomes available to pounce when in a, you know, and a restricted free agent becomes available and, a, you know, a team in a cap crunch can't keep them, you know, like there are, you know, Elliot Friedman kind of alluded to it in his latest 31 thoughts that the Rangers are expected to be like one of the more active teams in the offseason again. Um, and I think that's like in large part because of what they've done 
you know, restocking their asset pool basically with picks and prospects. Could not. Um, so like, yeah, like Fox to me is like a perfect like example of why they've done all this. You know, he's a, a player that like, he's not going to change your franchise overnight. He's not probably like a star in the league, but he's a good, he's, he has the chance to become a good NHL defenseman and like a mod, he's a modern build to the way he plays, which is something the Rangers have just not had pretty much the past like four or five years as the defense has like slowly eroded away into like, you know, Mark Stahl, Brendan Smith, like Brady Shea, D'Angelo, Pionks. I mean, all those guys. So, you know, I like what I saw from Fox. I definitely think there's things he needs to work on. Again, he's only 21, you know, so he's got to get a little stronger, I think. And I don't mean like, you know, looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator or something. I just mean like getting, you know, better like core strength or like stronger legs. And, you know, I think people confuse a lot of time like getting bigger with getting stronger. Like you don't need to get big to get strong. No, you don't. So, so like I think that, you know, that's one of those things where I, I think I noticed it with like every, you know, I did the gift threads a lot of times last year for the guys they drafted. But I think you noticed that with all these guys who are, you know, teenagers or young adults and uh they got to figure out how to become pro athletes essentially and there's going to be a learning curve with all these guys uh fox is no different you know craft is going to be no different uh if they end up drafting capo caco like it's going to be no different with him either like they they are going to be bumps in the road like for every single guy who plays in the nhl that's just how it is and but it's just the fact that uh these guys have a lot of talent that they've drafted over the last couple of years. So if they can figure out how to match, you know, being a pro with the talent, then their home runs, then their players, you, you're, they're going to be the next wave of Rangers. We talk about like, we talk about like McDonough, Stepan, Callahan, St. Louis, Nash, all those guys from like that last run. Those can be the guys that lead the next run basically. Yeah. And, and I, I look at it like this, like, Anytime you're rebuilding, the, the the idea is to draft as much talent as you possibly can and kind of see what sticks. Um, you know, th- there's there's this notion that you know, um, you know, we all the Rangers always lacked high end talent, high end like elite talent. Like we've always had some very good players, but never one in that upper tier. But when you're rebuilding, you know, it's it's not like you know the team has this plethora of kids that are sitting there in Hartford that are ready to step in and and fill like a second or a third line. They they don't even have that. So when you're rebuilding, you just got to almost sometimes go for as many players as you can and see what sticks. And puck moving defensemen, I mean, like at worst case scenario, even if Adam Fox wasn't in their future three, four, five years down the road, he's an asset that you could move. Same thing with Tony D'Angelo this year or Neil Pionk or whoever, you know, whoever the case is. So I'm just a big fan of just, you know, looking at it like like you're like you're acquiring stocks. Right. I want to get as many, you know, really blue chip stocks as I can. And I'm going to wait and see what pans out and keep those. And the ones that I'm not sure about, I'm going to move them for potential more stocks. So that's how I would, you know, kind of want to build a team. And I kind of think Jeff's going in that right that right direction. It's almost like he's kind of doing this Winnipeg Boston hybrid where, you know, he got lucky this year and awesome because we've never had a pick this high. But I think his plan early on was just to just acquire as many kids as possible. Now that he's got the, the number two pick, it does change the narrative a lot. 
but it doesn't change it in the sense of still trying to go out and get you know get as many kids as possible. So that's why you know he's he's he has the luxury with all these different assets to say, okay, I'm going to give up a second round pick for Adam Fox because what's the likelihood that this that the second round pick becomes you know a number three defenseman? Probably very unlikely, right? Yeah, agreed. Couldn't agree more. Like it's it's just like all it's all about finding just pieces pieces that can play like in any role really. So it's just like the more pieces you have the more chances you the more shots at it you basically have so you know they can afford to take a risk on adam fox because they've traded for you know ryan lindgren um you know they drafted sean day they have keandre miller coming through they have nils lundquist they have joey Keane. like they just have all these guys who are here or not here yet obviously in the Um, system yeah in the system basically in the in the pipeline who you know if one of them doesn't stick, then maybe a few more do. So yep. it's just it's all it's all about just adding pieces to a like a pool of of young players and picks and prospects that was just depleted like two or three years ago. And like looking back from where it was two years ago, three years ago, I mean it's it's impressive to me what Jeff Gordon has done. I, I completely agree. Um, and I think Steve made a post about that not too long ago about like what what you know, Gorton did in, in Boston. That was, you know, yeah. like he, he changed their whole team in like basically a year and change. So he, he was, he was, he was the, the interim GM for about six months. And in those six months, he traded, uh, Andrew Raycroft for Tuka Rusk. Um, he signed Zdeno Chara as a free agent. And in the draft that year, they picked Lucic and Marchand. That's, 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 that's four, that, that's 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 four players, and then you add Chara, yeah, yeah. That's that's four players who were there when they won a cup in 2011, and before that he was the assistant GM, so he was already uh, 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 responsible for, or or not maybe not on his own, but he was part of that machine that put a cup winning team together. And what the what Gordon has done with the Rangers is uh, uh, he he has gone through a rebuild the way you should go through a rebuild. You acquire as many assets as possible, like in roulette, you know, you put chips on the table. And the more chips you can put on the table, the more chances you have at winning. And winning in this case is a prospect turning into a legit top player. And if you have 15, 16 defensive prospects, fine. Let them battle it out. And 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 the best ones stick and, and the other ones, you just get rid of them or you trade them for something else. You can never yeah. have too many prospects. Agreed. Agreed. It's it's. It's to me, to me, like I, I get like when people like want to nitpick, you know, the prospects that they, the Rangers got back in like certain trades when you know trading McDonough, Nash, whoever, um, but like teams just really aren't trading like top prospects for rentals. No. Like it's exactly, never been, exactly. It's never been that way, and it exactly. never will be that way. Like the biggest, the biggest guy who was on the trade market this year is Mark Stone, mm-hmm. and he brought back a legit top prospect because he's a legit top player. So and, like, be, and, and because of an extension, they were allowed exactly. to negotiate with him for an extension. But exactly. Ranger fans always want, and not just Ranger fans, fans in, in general always want the best return. But if you turn it around, if you flip the script and you go, uh, let's say we, 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 uh, we want to acquire Roman Yossi from, from Nashville. They would ask for Hedl, Kravtsov, or... Um, Okay, Andre Miller. Yeah. Would would we be willing to give up those those prospects for Roman Yossi? No. Then why would Tampa Bay give up better prospects than what they did? Because 
it's it's not as simple as just asking for the best prospects and getting them. That's just not how it works. Agreed. I agree. I, I I've that's been like probably one of the more annoying things over the past like year or two. It's just like the constant hand wringing over who they got back in the trades. Um, you know, that's like, also why I like I like picks better than prospects most of the time because I always look at it like if I'm a GM on the other side, I'm gonna give you the guy that I'm least interested in. I'm not going to give you my best chip. So I'd rather take my chance in a draft than your leftovers. For sure. And, and, but like the other, the flip side to that, at least to me is like guys like Brett Howden or like a Lieber Hayek or Ryan Lindgren, like, yeah, they're probably not going to be stars, but they're like, at at worst, they'll be like death pieces, you know? And like, it's, it's all about just like adding layers to the, to the pool. So it's like, you know, getting back guys in trades that could play, even if it's like a bottom six role or a third line role or a fourth line role or like the third pair on defense, like that's a win to me. Uh, just because like if, if you're getting a legitimate piece, I don't care like how it like who it is or where they were ranked or where they were drafted. If a guy can play, they can play. So, you know, like i i am i've been fine with it like i'm admittedly not like a huge prospect guy i i do stuff on the rangers prospects unless they kind of draft them mm-hmm. but like I, i'm not like you know like steven or like you know tobias or drew or any of these great prospect guys who do ranger stuff they do great work and they watch a lot of games of a lot of weird ass european tournaments and russia <laughs> and all over the world then like i tons of respect for them so you know when they say stuff, like I tend to listen, but at the same time, it's like they're all just pieces. It's all pieces, and if some of them don't hit, that that's the reality. But then on yep. the flip side, you have the picks, so you just you can just you know draft another one, draft another lottery ticket. So exactly, I, and I I've been a fan of what Jeff Gordon has done. He's to me, he's done a great job the last two years. Yeah, which is which is which is why I love you posted the best the best picture of uh, of 2019 in my opinion. It was the picture of um you you took Gorton's face and you put it on Thanos and he had the, he had the gauntlet oh, with all yeah, five yeah, kids yeah. with all six kids on it. I was like, yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah, it was good cross content season over there. It's been a, it's been a good few weeks for cross content between uh between Endgame and Thrones and everything. Yeah, that was just like when I saw that. When I saw you drop that picture, I was like, "Oh, that is the best." I was like, "I'm going to save this because I'm going to use it a lot." <laughs> speaking speaking of one guy who was not on that on that gauntlet, and because he's not a kid, um, and since we're looking to add talent, we're we're in the you know now that Columbus is knocked out. So I know me and you are on the the breadman train for a long time. Um, so are we a hundred percent convinced that? Artemi Panera will be a Ranger, or are we still, you know, crossing our fingers? Oh, I'm just going to keep saying it until it's not true. So no matter, <laughs> no matter what happens, I'm going into this pretending that it's 100% a lock deal. And I'm going to speak it into existence like LeVar Ball would. So that's been, that's been my, my, my main goal for the past year and a half, just speak it into existence. Artemi Panera, no matter what, right? No matter what. Greg, Greg, please. This brings me back to last year with the draft where you had those post-its that said Oliver Wallstrom, whatever it takes. Or That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be to be to be to be fair, um, you know, like Oliver Wallstrom was a was a, a heck of a prospect at the oh, time. Oh yeah, he still is. So 
he has had a good he has had a good couple of weeks after he uh, left college and went to the AHL. Yeah, I just I mean, look, I I, I mean, I don't want to get into all the Wallstrom chat, no, but yeah, yeah. But uh, no, but, yeah. but I'm 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 just saying I hear all the, the Panarin or whatever it takes or whatever. I, and well, just, I, he's I probably back to the when when is the last time we had anyone like Panarin? Yager? I mean, like, really? It's really Yager, Gabrick. Maybe Gabrick. Yeah, maybe Gabrick. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually uh, post something regularly about Panarin when I try to convince Ranger fans that he would be a good pickup. Um, Panarin's season low in points is still higher than any other Ranger not named Gabrick since 2008. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. The, the people that He's don't want him are batshit crazy to me. 74 points is his season low in the NHL. The only the only take I'll the only take from people who tell me like I don't want Panarin is if you turn around and say listen I'm not sure how long before we're competitive again do I want to commit that much money when maybe we need another big free agent two years from now when we're ready if it, like if you're talking about the timeline I can maybe buy your argument that's I'll, about I'll, like I don't agree but like I get the logic or if you tell me um, I don't want to commit that many years to him maybe I'll buy the logic when you tell me I just don't want him I just look at you like. You don't you don't know hockey. Don't talk to me. Get out of my face. Yeah, I I, I just like to me, it's like a just a no brainer. I mean, he's what twenty seven right now, and he's a like, young he's a young twenty seven. That's that's the thing that I always point to is like he's only been in the NHL for like five years, four or five years. So like the wear and tear on him is like I obviously like everyone's different. Some guys break down early. Some guys break down late. Um, it's really just a, a crapshoot with that stuff. But at the same time, it's like I think there is something to be said for having so many NHL miles on your on your legs. Um, you know, we the actually KHL is- the exact same thing a couple of days ago. Playing in the KHL 50, 60 games for a couple of seasons doesn't put as much strain on your body as 82 games in the NHL. So yeah. technically, if you look at it, you could say that you are getting a 25-year-old Panarin and not a 27-year-old Panarin. And that's how I look at it. That's yeah. how I've always looked at it. It's like, you know, just the, the wear and tear on him is not what it usually is for a guy who's 27 hitting unrestricted free agency. So, like, uh, to me, like, that's that's not even a concern. That's people who use that as a concern. I, I just think they're misinformed, to be honest. Like, I, I, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Like, it, he is... He is a star. Like he is a yeah. legitimate star in this league. He is one of the best players in the league, and he's a difference maker. Like I, 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 I actually got to see him play at the Garden this year. Uh, you know, I saw the Blue Jackets when they were in town for a game, and he's just electric. Like yeah. every time he has the puck on his stick, he it's like you just perk up a little bit, and you're like, oh, what's this guy about to do? So like I. I am all aboard the Panarin train. I have been for a year and a half now. Um, you know, if they don't get him, they don't get him. And, you you know, you keep building through the draft and the trades and prospects and whatever. But uh, I think the only legitimate, like, gripe people could have is the timeline, or, uh, like, part of it. But other than that, I don't think any of the, like, reasons people don't want to sign him are, are valid, at least to me. Yeah, that that's that's my thing too. And and even if someone says something about the the years, um, I would be willing to give him more money for less years. I'm fine with that. Yeah, the cap's only going to go up. It's not going yeah. down. Yeah. If you want to say I'll give him you know, 11 and a half, 12, and and take off two years, fine, do it. Yeah, agreed. 
Um, I'm whatever whatever they got to do to get him. I'm fine with it because I just I just I like we were just saying. I don't think they've had a player like him since Yager or Gabrick. So I think he's a difference maker and he's someone that is going to put asses in the seats too. Like he's. What just do you a, think? What do you think's his most um like electrifying skill set? Do you think it's his hands or his shot? I, I I go back and forth on the two. His his hands are his hands are electric to me. They the really he's, are, right? Like he da- he dangles like nobody else, dude. Yeah, he's great. I, I, he's just awesome. So yeah, I'm all in on Panarin. Always have been. Always will be. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. If we somehow get Panarin, does that make Kreider? I mean, it probably does make Kreider more expendable. Does that make it more likely that he's traded? And if so, do you think he gets traded? Uh if they sign Panarin, I would think yeah, it probably does make him more expendable. But there's also like that. You know, Larry Brooks kind of alluded to it a little bit in the, the most recent like column he wrote. I guess we're still calling them columns in 2019, but whatever. Um, that it was like, you know, teams aren't going to be as inclined to trade for rent. The teams who would want a Chris Kreider have kind of already like gone all in with their like assets the last couple of years. Like you mentioned, like the Jets as a team, that's like they've traded a lot of picks. And they kind of need them right now because they're about to enter the cap crunch. So, like, they're not going to trade for him. Like, you know, the Leafs are a team that's been linked to him a few times. But at the same time, they have to pay their own guys. So, like, they can't be going out trying to get a Chris Kreider. So, like, uh, the the whole Kreider situation is is fascinating to me. I don't think there's a wrong side. Um, I think both sides have valid points. Um, but, yeah, if, if, they, if they sign Panarin, I think it definitely makes him more expendable. I have, I have actually one question for for both of you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, just circling back to Panarin for a quick second. Um, in 2016, the Rangers traded Keith Yandel uh, in in June to Florida. They basically traded his UFA rights for a sixth round pick and a conditional fourth. The conditional fourth was based on uh, will Yandel sign an extension or not. Could you see a similar scenario happening with Panarin, where Gordon trades? maybe a fifth round pick and a conditional fourth in 2020 to get his rights a, like a week or two earlier. So we can, we can negotiate with him without the risk of losing him to another team in free agency. That's a good question. Yeah. I, I definitely think it's probably something they've discussed and is on the table for sure. For sure. I, I, Cause like there's, there's way too much smoke. There's been way too much smoke around Panarin of the Rangers for like almost a year now, honestly, to where like it, it, they're absolutely thinking about every option to try and get this done. So yeah. like if it takes that, I'm fine with it. Okay. I I think the thing is is I I I think there's enough reason why Florida could snag him. Why maybe Gordon wouldn't want to do that and just compete out in the open. But it makes sense. I mean, you you buy yourself an extra window of negotiating time. So that, I, yeah. I it does make sense in theory. Um, I think Gordon only does that if he thinks that. There's no chance that he'll pass that window and he'll lock him up. Okay, but 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 he did the exact same thing with Adam Fox, because Gordon literally said in the interview because uh, he was asked uh, about the Fox trade, saying um, you never know what's going to happen in a year, and in this case with Panarin, you never know what's going to happen in July. 
Yeah, yeah. You're, you're totally right. No, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it buys you extra time. So yeah. you have extra time to sit down and chat with the guy, you know, bring him to New York, have him hang out with Booch, let him go to Brighton Beach and chill mm-hmm. out and, you know, have some drink. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe. And then he just buys into it and he's like, yeah, you know what? This is cool. I'm going to do this. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Yeah. What, now, let me ask, what kind of deal does he get, guys? Oh, he's going to get seven years no matter no matter what. Um, probably between like 10 and 12 mil, I would think. Mm-hmm. If he goes to Florida, I bet it's probably closer to 10 just because of the all the shit with the income tax. But um, it's between 10 and 12, seven years, I think. If they trade for his UFA rights, uh, then they can actually sign him to an eight-year contract. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's a good point, too. So, so yeah, if someone trades for his rights, then eight years. Yep. If he just hits you up, uh, just like hits July one, no one trades for his rights. Seven. Then I think seven, seven yep. years between ten and twelve mil. I'm gonna say seven for ten point five. I I could probably see eleven, or if the contract is a bit shorter, then maybe twelve. Yeah, I think I think, be, I, think, I, think I think all three of that all. All, both, both what you guys just said and, and, and what I kind of said, I think they're all in play. And, and um, you know, we also need to understand that the salary cap is going up and instead of losing at flat numbers, we should, lose at the, uh, we should look at the cap hit percentage instead. Agreed. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a great point. And, I, and that's something people very, very often do not consider with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a lot of people that don't, don't think that. I mean, don't 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 uh, look at that. I've had plenty of conversations with other Ranger fans, and they say, "Oh, well, why would I want to give you know Artemi Panarin like eleven million dollars or you know ten million dollars or whatever?" And they yeah. look at like what you know, I don't know, like Crosby's getting now. Yeah, Crosby. and I'm just thinking to myself, like, yeah, he signed this like a decade ago. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that stuff. I I, I always love that stuff. That. Uh, like when McDavid signed his extension, it was like the same thing. And people were like, oh, how could you pay him that much money? And then it's like. It was well, actually a lower percentage. Exactly. exactly. It's, the same, it's like a lower percentage than what Crosby signed. So it's like it's going to be an absolute steal in like three or four years. Right. And you go look at like look at like what Nashville did when they lock up all their guys, um, you know, really young. And then at the time they go, oh, man, they're, they're committing so much time. And then now you look at these contracts and you're like, Wow. You know, yeah, same thing with Ca- same thing with Carolina. Go look at the go look at Slavin's contract or Pesci's contract. Pesci. I mean, you'd kill for those contracts. Yeah. yeah, and and the Rangers also have like a lot of money going to be coming off the books in the next couple of years. So like, I don't think it's that big of a concern. Yeah, yeah. yeah in in, in twenty twenty one, you have uh, Stahl, Shattenkirk, Smith, and Lundqvist all coming off the books if they are not bought out or traded before that. Yeah, that, that's like almost thirty million dollars. Like it, that's a that's a lot of money right there. It's that's, like that's a lot of cap space you get in twenty twenty one. Exactly, exactly. So uh, one last thing before we do go. Um, so who wins tonight? San Jose wins. Colorado wins. I know I, we kind of want Colorado win. It's a little bit better of a pick for us, but. Who do you think wins? Uh, I'm going to stick with San Jose just because I, I have a lot of futures on them. So, so yeah, I'm going <laughs> with the Sharks. Still laying it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I can't go back now. <laughs> You're doubling down. Yeah, exactly. What about, what about you, Steve? What do you think? Uh, you know, I, th- I think, I think the, game is, uh, the game actually means more to the Rangers than some people realize because it's not just the Winnipeg pick that's affected by tonight's game. Um, the Dallas Stars second rounder is is also affected by it. If Colorado wins, it moved the, the the pick moves up one spot, 
And oh. same, same for the Columbus picks in, the, in rounds four and seven. Because if Colorado wins, they reach the conference finals, which means they're in the final four of each round, uh, pushing the other teams down. Because they were ranked lower in the regular season than both Columbus and Dallas. So do you think they win tonight? Or do you think I San Jose hope, still wins? I hope they win, but I think it's... I, I don't know. I, 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 would, I would say San Jose, but they still have Martin Jones in net. So it's, it's a toss-up. It, it can go either way. And I, I, honestly, I expected more from their top line with McKinnon uh, uh, Rantanen. Um, I think San Jose will eventually win because they play at home and it's a Game 7. And they just have the experience. Uh, you have guys like Carlson and Burns and Thornton and, and Couture, who is probably one of the most underrated playoff performers, uh, players when it comes to playoff oh, performance. Logan Couture is a beast, man. Logan Couture is amazing. Uh, so I think it's going to be San Jose, but deep down inside, I still hope it's Colorado. Because it'll, it'll, even, even though it's just like a little bit uh, affecting the, the, the smaller picks, but it's fun. And getting right, you guys, up. you guys are going chalk. I'm going. I'm going with Colorado. I I'm hope be, I'm Colorado. Gonna be different. I'm going to be different. I'm going to say Colorado. I'm, no. I I actually think they win this game. They don't. They don't win big, but they win cleanly. Um, I I would like actually San. If San Jose wins, then I want them to go all the way and win the cup because I always enjoy a new team winning, seeing a new team winning the cup. Now that that that's a take I'll 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 be on board with. If San Jose wins tonight. I'm okay with either them or um, them, St. Louis, or even Carolina winning it all. Pretty much just everyone Boston but Boston. Win, Any, anyone but Boston. <laughs> anyone but I just don't want to see those signs anymore. I don't want to hear oh. from my friends how, like, we're title town. Get the fuck out of my face. And me. all of a sudden, we've gone full circle to the, to the start of the episode. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, all right. Thanks a lot, Fitz, man. I appreciate it. Before you go, though, man, plug your stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on fellows. Obviously appreciate it a lot. Um, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Fitz GSN underscore. Um, obviously always check out the site, Gotham sports network, uh, Gotham SN.com. That's where you can find all our stuff for baseball, hockey, basketball, football. Uh, we got great stuff on there all the time. So yeah, just check those things out. And like I said, thanks again for having me on guys. Awesome stuff, man. All right. Thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, Thank same you. thing. Thank you. You 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 were our first guest. This is episode number three. Um, it was fun. Thanks. Yeah, man. Thanks, guys. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Sounds all right. good, Fitz. Have a good one. All right. Take care, man. Ciao.